Welcome to the teacher and the preacher. This program is all about the importance of coming to understand that the Christian community and the Jewish community have more in common than we have been led to believe. Rather than seeing each other as against each other, we need to come to a point of seeing that the statement that our country is a Judeo-Christian nation is much more than just a mere statement, but truly reflects the reality of our nation as it was and should remain. Every week there will be an interesting dialogue about the issues that have divided Jews and Christians and how we can move in bridging the gaps and see that by talking about the issues, we can better move in the direction of having more unity. Unity that will heal and help bring together a nation that is under attack by the forces of atheism, secularism, and a breakdown of family values. Join us now for a discussion between the teacher and the preacher. Hey, welcome to the teacher and the preacher I'm the preacher, Dave Magera. And I'm the teacher, Hal Berman. And we have for you this week uh, a continuation of something we've done a few times now, and that has been our series on five places in Israel. So if you go to our website, uh, www.theteacherandthepreacher.com, you can go to our archive broadcast and you'll hear we've done two or three of these now where we've taken you to places that uh, some are tried and true places that tourists go and some are places that aren't so well known, places that are biblical, places that are modern. And we've tried to give you as much as we can on radio, a, a you are there feeling. Now, Israel has just, after a long gap with COVID, opened up to tourists again, and we have tourist groups flocking here uh, in droves. So we want to give you a taste of maybe some of the hidden gems in Israel, the ones that tourists don't necessarily always see. So uh, you'll be able to, to find out about those for yourselves. But also, if you should come to Israel, you have some other sites besides the tried and true ones that you can put on your itinerary. I love that. I love that. And I might just say... We're going to be taking a group of people to Israel in June. If you are interested in being a part of that trip, we would love to have you travel with us. Why don't you contact me at the teacher and the preacher at gmail.com, the teacher and the preacher at gmail.com, and we will get you the information. That'd, that'd be great. And we will take you to see some of these gems we're going to talk about today. That's great. So first up, and uh, you'll just have to take our word for it that these places are scenic and beautiful, but I should mention if you go also to our back to our website, theteacherandthepreacher.com, you can go there, you can sign up for our blog, and if you sign up for our blog, we're going to, over the next two weeks, be doing a series on these five sites, so you'll get to see the pictures and get more information even than what we're discussing today. But first up is probably the least hidden, but still one that a lot of people don't get to and some don't even know about it, which is the city of David. And Dave, I'm not even sure where to begin with that because there is so much there to see. And, and this is just Isn't south of the old, right. just south of the old city of Jerusalem. Yes, it's uh, it's amazing. You know, it wasn't very long ago that they actually, you know, had no idea uh, what all they would find there because they weren't doing a dig, but wow. Across the years of traveling there, this place is, just as you described it, it's a gem. It is an amazing place. And to think that what you read about in the Bible, you're actually walking you're walking in that place. It's, it's mind-blowing. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, one of the there's so many things there. One of the things I love though is they've actually found the remains of what clearly was a palace. And they know that it's from the time of King David and the Judean kings. There are many who believe it actually was King David's palace uh, or what's left of it. Uh, but they're, they're pretty sure this was actually a palace of, uh, of the kings of Judah. Yeah, this is, listen, this is where it all began in a lot of ways. You know, this was a Jebusite city and the Jebusites uh, kept uh, badgering the, the Israelites. And I, uh, I, I, you just about, you have to be there because where this sits is just, uh, to the, what would it be? It would be to the west of the city, uh, of the Temple Mount, right? It's, it would be south, south, a little, a little right? South, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, and, and, uh, it runs along the, the side, the Kidron Valley and then the Tyropian Valley on the other side of it. So it was a very uh, well-guarded city and so guarded that when the Jebusites would, would stand and holler over the walls at uh, the Israelites, they would say, you know, we're so protected, you'll never get up here. In fact, you know what? Our handicapped people, our special needs people could just put a whooping on you if you even tried to get this close. I mean, they just, and David had this Popeye moment where he just said, you know, I can't stand this no more, you know. And uh, and here he is used to take that city, and it becomes known as just what we talked about, the city of David. And uh, I don't know uh, how, when was the last time you were there, but it seems like every time you turn around, they're discovering something new. It's true. I, I was there about two years ago, and I know if I go back now, there are there, as you say, they're always digging, they're always finding new things, and there's still so much more there to to be dug up and found. We could actually talk about City of David, I think, for an hour easily, and not cover everything that's there. And if you do come to Israel, uh, first of all, you can go. There's a City of David site. Just Google it, and you, you can see a lot of things there. Or, or again, sign up for our blog on our website, theteacherandthepreacher.com, and you'll get uh, you'll get some pictures that way as well from our blog. Uh, but it's, it's an amazing, it's, it's just an amazing site with, with so much there. So I, I think just in the interest of time, cause we don't have that much time, we, we'll go on, but we'll go just, uh, right near there. It, as you mentioned the Kidron Valley, and that's another site that figures, uh, in a big way in, in, in the Bible and, uh, both the, the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament, in fact. And uh, it's a valley. It's just east of the old city of Jerusalem. So you have the city of David to the south. You have the Kidron Valley to the east. And it essentially is a valley that divides uh, the Temple Mount from the Mount of Olives. Yes, it's a, it's a beautiful place. You know, one of the things that Israel has done for tourism is they have made access to so many of these amazing places and so the stairway going down from the old city and from the corner of the Temple Mount down into the Kidron Valley, they've done a beautiful job of fixing it where you can, it's easy to access. It's, it's, it's quite a little jaunt down to the, to the bottom of the Kidron Valley, but the pathway that walks, that you can walk on down there is awesome. And just as Harold said, you can, you can go up the other side and there you are at the Mount of Olives. But what, what I find really uh, that I'm drawn to are two big items there when I think about the Kidron Valley. One is 
the monuments that are there. So um, for those Christians who listen to the program, what's really cool is that if you ever wondered uh, uh, what was there at the time of Jesus, these monuments were there at the time of Jesus. They go back uh, many, many, many years. And the other thing is the amazing, interesting location of the cemetery that they've placed right by the eastern what was the Eastern Gate entry to the Temple Mount? Those two are really fascinating things. And um, what's really funny, Harold, because I'm walking through the Kidron Valley one day and a wonderful little Jewish gal stopped me and she said to me, are you Jewish? And I said, I'm not, but I am a lover of the Jews. And she said, here, I have something for you. And she gave me a card that had the Noahide laws on it. Oh. I could be a righteous Gentile, a righteous Gentile. And um, I think she you're was pretty righteous already, thing. Dave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have the heart to tell her that I'm already righteous. I didn't have the <laughs> heart to tell her. It was, it was just the sweetest thing, but we had uh, just a, a short but very wonderful visit right there. And, and you never know what's going to happen in the Kidron Valley. That, that's absolutely true. And I, I should mention, uh, I, I, I shouldn't be the one mentioning it, but I'm going to mention uh, in the New Testament, uh, Jesus crossed the valley many times. And the valley also includes, and you can see this, the Garden of Gethsemane. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you know about the tombs that are there? Um, the, you mean specific the tombs on the Mount of Olives specifically, mm -hmm. or I mean, well, there's first of all the Mount no, of Olives. The, no, oh. the tombs, the tombs that are in the in the Kidron Valley, those big monuments. So I'm actually not. Uh, I hate to say it, but I'm I'm not so familiar with them. Uh, I wish I could well, say more. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll just tell you just real quick. You know, um, uh, Zachariah, uh, Zachariah's tomb. Um, so we read about Zachariah. Uh, he is a devout Jew. Uh, he is um, he's buried there uh, in the Kidron Valley. Um, we have uh, uh, three tombs right in the right in a row. The other one is called Absalom's tomb, and uh, that's got an amazing story in itself. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and I I love that. And then the other tomb is uh, a tomb that belonged to a family of priests named. Beni Hazir, or the sons of Hazir, and it's really talked about in First Chronicles twenty-four. But um, amazing, amazing places. We we got to go there. We got to go there. Yeah. See, see, Dave, this is what I love about this show and and what the show is about. You know, I pointed out um, the significance in the New Testament, and you pointed out the significance in the Hebrew Bible. This, this is great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's because we're together. That's right. So. Uh, so we're going to move out away from Jerusalem now, but uh, something of no less biblical significance, and that's Lachish. And Lachish is about 35-mile drive southeast of Jerusalem, which, which in the context of Israel is actually a, a fairly long drive. Uh, it's, it's another world away from Jerusalem. There's several archaeological layers to explore there. You, first of all, there, uh, it's called Tel Lachish. Tel is uh, usually it's, it's a mound uh, where you have the archaeological layers and you see the different layers of civilizations that were there so you have first there's an ancient the remains of an ancient canaanite city from about four thousand years ago 
Uh, and we also know from what they found there that about 3,500 years ago, Lachish was an important center controlled by the pharaohs. Uh, they have the remains of two pagan temples there. And then, this is what I find fascinating, they have the archaeological evidence that the Canaanite city there in Lachish was destroyed about 3,200 years ago, which lines up pretty much exactly with the account in the book of Joshua of the incoming Israelites coming in, battling at Lachish and destroying it. Yes. Yes. So I've been out there numerous times. What's really interesting is they've, they've not only done a great job uh, excavating and, and the archaeological dig, but hardly anybody goes there, which is really what's cool is, you, you know, you go there and you've got the place to yourself. You don't pull up, pull up there and there's 25 buses there. Um, so it's really a great place to sit and consider what actually happened. And you can read about this whole thing in the Bible. So um, this is a place that fell to Nebuchadnezzar in his campaign when he swept down upon uh, Israel and, and took uh, uh, the, the Jewish people into the Babylonian captivity. And uh, then, of course, we have the, the, the story of uh, Sennacherib and King Hezekiah and the revolt that took place there against the Assyria. And uh, this was the one of the palaces of the kings of, of, of Israel. So it's, it's, it's rich with history. But some of the artifacts that they found there, Harold, uh, have been uh, just amazing because it includes even a letter from uh, the ruler of Lachish yes, who, yes. Who, who reassures the Egyptian pharaoh, who's Amenhotep III, uh, of of his loyalty and so i mean just it's the the history is so rich there this is this is one of those hidden gems that you you mentioned i i love this place yeah absolutely it's it's as you say it's uh not too many people go there which is kind of unfortunate part of that and this is why we, we've been able to do so many shows uh on this israel is a country the size of new jersey and the sheer number of places there are to see and visit from ancient to modern is uh, it's in the thousands. So yes. th this is another one of those sites. So now moving up just a few thousand years, but actually to something that uh, still has biblical significance because it's really about the Jews coming back to their land as the prophets uh, foretold. So we're going to go now to Tel Aviv uh, and we're going to go to the Palmach Museum. Now the Palmach is, uh, first of all, back up for a second, in 1920, uh, what was called the Haganah was founded in Israel. Haganah means defense in Hebrew. This was this fledgling group that basically, uh, they kind of knew it was coming. And at that point, they were being attacked by Arabs and so forth. And, and the British who were, uh, it was British mandate then, were not necessarily helping them out too much. And they realized they needed to defend themselves. From this fledgling group called the Haganah uh, arose the IDF that we have today. In fact, the Israel Defense Force in Hebrew, it's Sava Haganah Israel, which literally means the Army of Defense for Israel. Now, hmm. uh, out of the Haganah developed the Palmach. The Palmach was, you know, if you think of U.S. Special Forces now, where we have Israeli Special Forces, the Palmach was the elite 
unit. And they saw a lot of action uh, from uh, the years going up to the 1948 War of Independence. And then uh, they were a big part in that. And the museum itself is not your typical museum. Your typical museum, you go and you read the stuff on the wall and you might see the film. This is a, there are no documents. There's nothing to read. This is a completely experiential museum where you go through and it's literally like you're part of the drama and you're experiencing it. Yeah, I had the privilege of going uh, to this museum uh, with some friends who who took us there. It was uh, it's kind of self guided, and it has um, uh, amazing things to see there and and rich history. It's um, just really a, a a short walk from the Eretz Israel Museum, and um, so you can you can catch a couple of these uh, while you're there. But um, this I find this very interesting because a lot of times we don't take the time to consider what some things are named or called. And so when it talks about uh, this is really where uh, the IDF really kind of has its roots, Israel Defense Force. This is a interesting name in itself because Israel is always on the defensive. I mean, the history of Israel being offensive or doing a a um, strike, a preemptive strike. Um, their history is not preemptive. Their their history is defensive, and sometimes you know a, a nation is put into a position where they have to do. Uh, a preemptive move uh, because they know if they don't, they will be devastated or perhaps slaughtered. And so, but it's very interesting because uh, this is where the roots are. This is where this, this has uh, a, a lot of richness to it. And the history uh, that, that marks this place is, is no small thing. And uh, now I don't know how many people, uh, end up going there in a year's time, but it, it's one of those hidden gems. Again, I, you've done a great job, Hal, on on listing up some of these amazing, amazing um, hidden gems. But the the attractions there to see are are wonderful, and I I hope that people will uh, take it a point and and uh, see that as they visit. Israel. What what would you add on that whole idea of IDF? Well, you know, as you were saying that, I, I was thinking about uh, Russia and the Ukraine because that's been on everyone's mind, uh, and that's going to be on everyone's mind for some time. But uh, what Russia did in the Ukraine, and what many armies have done throughout history, that's that's not what the IDF does. As you said, it's it's about defense. That word defense. Uh, is very deliberate. And, and yeah, there might be an occasional preemptive strike, which is also defense. It's basically to ensure uh, that Israel survives. But it, the mandate is simply not at all to go out and take territory or invade other countries. That, that's it's it's literally simply to protect uh, the homeland. Yeah. And, and I think that this is one of the things that sets Israel apart. I mean, here they they take the Sinai and when it's all over, they said, listen, we, we, we don't want this. We want to give it back to you. We just want some peace. And so I just think that this is uh, one of the things that really makes Israel 
uh, especially unique. So anyway, the the whole idea of uh, what you're going to learn there at this museum is is no small thing. You get a chance to to learn about uh, the settlements, about how how they mapped out their military thinking, the organizational structure uh, of how they uh, mapped out how they were going to defend the this this uh, baby that's been born called Israel. Um, it's 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 rich with history. So good job on that one. If you're on the uh, on on the train of Israeli military history and all that that meant to the the state coming about, then after you go to the Palmach Institute, there's another hidden gem. Uh, that's probably about a half hour away called the Ayalon Institute. And while Ayalon Institute doesn't sound like a particularly exciting place, it's actually an amazing place uh, with a very special history. So near the city of Rehovot, which is in central Israel, as I said, about a half hour from Tel Aviv, there is what looks like a kibbutz. Uh, it, it has all the same trappings of a kibbutz, except the whole thing is fake. So... What, and this is the Ayalon Institute today. So what's there? By 1945, so we talked about the Haganah, which, out of which the Palmach came. By 1945, the leaders of the Haganah knew that the British would eventually be leaving Israel and that when they left, war would break out. They didn't know when it would happen, but they knew it was coming. And at that time, uh, under British law in the land of Israel, any Jew caught carrying weapons or ammunition was subject to severe punishment, which included uh, sometimes, uh, well, definitely imprisonment and sometimes even uh, hanging. So they had actually, the British had used the Haganah during World War II uh, because, you know, they were busy fighting the Nazis. They needed all the help they can get. Now we're in 1945. Uh, World War II is over and the British all of a sudden they're saying to the Haganah, no guns, no ammunition. But again, they knew that they needed to prepare for this battle that was going to be coming and they knew they needed bullets. So you have this, what looks like a kibbutz. They actually had a bunch of Jewish pioneers who come out to settle the kibbutz, but it's all a ruse. Uh, the location is on a hilltop, which makes underground operations easier. It's near Tel Aviv, which makes transportation easier when the time would come. And it's located right next to a British military base, which the Haganah figured is the last place the British are going to think Jews are creating ammunition. So this kibbutz, as I said, it's it looks like a kibbutz. It has a laundry. It has a bakery. It has a chicken coop. It has a citrus groves. It has a dining hall. <laughs> it has everything. And it even has real uh, people who seem to be settling the kibbutz. Now, the laundry is located right next to the bakery. And here's where it gets interesting. And this is what you can go see today. Under the bakery... Deep underground, the Haganah created a bullet factory using World War I era machines they had smuggled in from Beirut. Now, it makes a lot of noise making bullets. So to camouflage the sound, they had the laundry uh, right next to it going you know, pretty much 24-7. Uh, whenever they were making bullets, you had the sound of the laundry drowning it out. And in fact, a lot of the British soldiers used the laundry uh, to, to, to launder their uniforms, you know, even while these bullets were being made literally right under their nose. So what happened is during those years from 1945 until the advent of the war in 1948, you had 45 underground volunteers who created during that time two and a half million bullets. The mission was so secret that some of the people who worked in the bakery had no idea what was taking place literally beneath their feet. So that also, as far as Israeli military history and that piece that it played in the Jews coming back to the land, it's an amazing place to visit just to think about the planning that went into that and what happened there. The Secret Ammunition Factory. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is presented as a kibbutz. Yeah. Now this is one of the places that again is 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 a gem and played a significant role in the history of Israel. I mean, as you just have mentioned, you know, um, the amount of bullets that were manufactured. Who couldn't use uh, another box of nine millimeters? Absolutely. You know? <laughs> uh, but this is what they produced was was nine millimeter bullets, I think. And uh, I haven't I haven't been to this place. However, I know about it, and uh, it is it is one of those fascinating stories. You know, this is where uh, you have this survival mentality and you have to do whatever you have to do in order to be prepared for what you expect you're going to have to face. And and this is exactly uh, the Jewish people. This is, this is the beginnings of uh, the birth of this new, new nation. And uh, I, I love this story. I think this is, this is a wonderful, wonderful thing. So just, just a half an hour on down South of Tel Aviv, really. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's the nice thing about Israel. Everything's easy to get to in Israel. That's the nice thing because everything's close. Yes, the only drawback at this point of what we've covered is you can't find a good falafel or shawarma place uh, anywhere nearby Lachish, but you probably can there at uh, Ayalon <laughs> Institute. Yeah, I was I was going to say just just about anywhere else you can. Yeah, <laughs> these are good, Harold. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this is, again, a, a call out for our listeners. Uh, Dave is leading a tour in June. Uh, you can contact him through our website, uh, theteacherandthepreacher.com, or email at theteacherandthepreacher at gmail.com. And uh, if, if you're interested, uh, you'll be seeing some of these sites. And if you have some free time, you may be able to see some others. And if you come on your own, uh, certainly these sites and many, many others are, are here for you. So... Um, is that our, is that our list of, uh, unknown that, gems? That's our list of five. We actually probably could have spent a little more time on, on, uh, uh on city of David, but, um, you know, yeah, we, we've, we've covered it. We just have to five. go there. You just have to go just there, have but to it, go there. It's, yeah. uh, but that, like I said, you, you could spend probably an hour discussing city of David because there, there's so much there to see. Yeah, you, you you have a hard time fitting it in a day. You know what? You can get there and you can walk through a miracle. It's called Hezekiah's Tunnel. Yes. It's yes. underneath that, that city of David. It's amazing. Oh, it's amazing. And you'll just have to pinch yourself to realize I'm actually standing in the city of David. I'm actually standing in a miracle that I read about in the Bible called Hezekiah's Tunnel. Oh, man, there's so much to see. So. This was great. This was this was wonderful for us to be able to talk about this this week. So let me just uh, take us off the air here by letting our listeners know, as we've already said, check our website out, theteacherandthepreacher.com. It's a wonderful way to stand by us by donating and keeping us on the air. So appreciate our donors. Uh, they, uh, they've been faithful and what a blessing that they are. And, you know, we've got some wonderful... Um, video or, or slideshows that go along with some of these programs. And once again, as we mentioned at the beginning of this program, you're going to see uh, pictures of these places that we just covered. But uh, we also uh, want you to know that you can contact uh, Hal and I, the teacher and the preacher at gmail.com. Uh, you might have something you'd like us to talk about, or you might like to give us some feedback on something that 
you listen to on a broadcast. So please, so we welcome your 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 input. And then uh, check us out on the Teacher and the Preacher Facebook page. What a good way to stay in touch with what's actually going on in uh, Israel and some uh, rarely known facts about Israel. So we invite you to do that. I just want to say thank you again for your listening. And until next week, may the God of Israel who never slumbers or sleeps, may he watch over Israel and all of our Jewish friends, and may that same God bless America. Amen.